Our summaries this week contain two cases on family law. In Saul v. Saul, 2023, ARC App 251, the Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed a divorce decree involving custody, support, and property division, and in doing so addressed the question of whether attorney testimony was reversible error. Judge Klappenbach reasoned because of a failure to make an objection and the invited error doctrine, there was no appealable issue. Quote, Crystal adds that the circuit court erred by permitting the attorneys to testify about their understanding about the existence or non-existence of Jeremy's opportunity to work at the Veterans Administration Clinic in Russellville. Crystal testified at trial that she knew nothing about it, but pre-trial settlement discussions among the attorneys and parties demonstrated otherwise. Her false testimony placed each party's counsel, including Crystal's own attorney and the ad litem, in the position of suborning possible perjury in violation of Arkansas Rule of Professional Conduct 3.3A3, Diamante v. Die, 2013, Art 5-01. Crystal has not demonstrated reversible error. First, after the attorneys discussed this issue at length, Crystal's counsel did not move to disqualify Jeremy's lawyer from the case or obtain a ruling on any such motion. Therefore, the issue is not preserved. Second, a party cannot complain of an action in which the party acquiesced. Once Crystal's attorney testified, she acquiesced in the court's decision to allow the attorneys to present testimony. We conclude that this alleged error was not preserved for appeal, and even if preserved, her argument holds no merit. End of quote. End of decision. In Maynard v. Maynard, 2023, ARC App 256, the Arkansas Court of Appeals considered whether a circuit court judge lacked jurisdiction because of a portion of an administrative plan and affirmed. As to the award of child support, however, the court reversed because an upward deviation was at variance with Administrative Order Number 10. The Court of Appeals reversed and itself set the amount of support. Judge Barrett explained, quote, This is a second appeal in a child support modification case. Appellate Thompson Case Manor, or Case, appeals the Washington County Circuit Court's order ordering him to continue paying $7,000 a month in child support for his two children with appellee Catherine Manor, or Katie. Case makes two arguments on appeal. One, the Circuit Court lacked authority to enter the child support order, and two, the Circuit Court erred by failing to apply the chart-based presumptive amount of child support. We affirm the Circuit Court's authority to act in this matter, but we hold that the Circuit Court's calculation of child support is clearly erroneous, and we reverse on that point. Jurisdiction Case first argues that the order entered by Judge Taylor on January 28 and the amended order entered on February 1, 2022, are void because the 4th Judicial District's administrative plan provided that on December 31, 2021, Judge Taylor would recuse herself from all pending domestic relations cases that did not have related orders of protection, which their case did not have. He contends that Judge Taylor was automatically recused from their case as of December 31, 2021, pursuant to the administrative plan, and therefore she did not have authority to enter orders in this case after that date. We disagree. 
Arkansas Supreme Court Administrative Order Number 14 regulates the administration of the circuit courts in Arkansas. Subsection 3 of that administrative order requires each judicial district, by majority vote, to adopt an administrative plan for the assignment of cases. Subsection 4 provides that each judicial district's administrative plan be approved by the Supreme Court. The 4th Judicial District's Administrative Plan, effective January 1, 2022, specifically provided. On December 31, 2021, to implement the above redistribution of the pending Division 7 domestic relations cases, Judge Taylor will recuse from all pending domestic relations cases that do not have related order of protection cases. Maynard 1 was handed down by this court on December 1, 2021. The mandate issued on January 4, 2022, reversing and remanding the case to circuit court. Case moved for entry of final order on January 24, 2022, attaching his proposed order. The circuit court instead entered Katie's proposed order on January 28 and the amended order on February 1. We hold that Judge Taylor had the authority to rule in this case. All of the sections of Administrative Order Number 14 must be read together, and Subsection 3C1 provides that there must be a plan for recusals, and the recusal process shall be consistent with the requirements of Administrative Order Number 16. That order provides that a judge recusing himself or herself from a case shall file an order of recusal. Then the case management system will randomly assign the case to another judge. Therefore, the administrative plan did not automatically recuse Judge Taylor from the present case. By the mandates of Administrative Order Number 16, she was not recused until she signed an order of recusal, and that did not occur until after she entered the order now on appeal. We affirm on this point. End of quote. Child Support Order the Court of Appeals found the trial court erred in revising the child support above the chart amount in Administrative Order Number 10. Quote, Case also argues that the circuit court erred in deviating upward from the chart-based presumptive amount of child support. We hold that the circuit court abused its discretion in deviating upward from the presumed chart support amount, and we reversed that decision. In the present case, all of the factors considered by the circuit court with the exception of the other factors catch-all provision, are either neutral or favor a downward deviation in child support. The children do not attend private school. The parties each carry a life insurance policy for the benefit of the children, and they divide equally the health insurance premiums and medical expenses not covered by insurance. There is no extraordinary travel expense for visitation. Case established a trust for the children currently valued at over $83,000. The children also have 529 educational plans valued at $120,000 and $114,000. While Katie has not remarried and does not have any other children, Case has remarried and has three other children with his new wife. He pays $2,400 a month in daycare expenses for those children and has also funded 529 plans for them valued aggregately at approximately $287,500. The children's time is divided equally between Case and Katie. 
These factors weigh in favor of a downward deviation in Case's favor, as he has clearly provided additional funds for the children in the form of the trust and 529 educational accounts, and he has a new family that he is providing for at a high standard of living as well. There also was no consideration of the fact that Case and Katie shared true joint custody of their sons. We recognize that all of the errors made in calculating child support in Parnell were not present in this case. The circuit court did not add a percentage of Case's income over the chart of maximum, nor did it rely on the children's ages to increase child support. However, the written reasons set forth by the circuit court for the upward deviation included that Case's gross monthly income alone was almost double the maximum chart amount of $30,000 for the combined income of both parties, that Case's current family's financial obligations, including the $7,000 in child support, totaled less than half of his monthly gross income, that Case had no debt, so despite his decrease in income, he still had sufficient income to meet all of the monthly needs of his family, including the $7,000 child support obligation. That, according to Katie's affidavit of financial means, her current financial obligations, including contributions to her 401k, exceeded her gross monthly income from all sources, including the $7,000 in child support. That the cost to maintain the children's standard of living they had come to enjoy far exceeded the presumptive child support amount of $2,660, and a substantial amount of that cost was associated with tennis and extracurricular activities, including extensive time and travel for both the children and the parents. That any reduction in Case's child support obligation would cause Katie to be unable to meet her financial commitments and time and travel obligations to the children. And the $7,000 monthly child support was a more accurate reflection of the share of income the children would receive had the parties remained married and shared financial resources because Case's income was five times the amount of Katie's. It is true that the children have enjoyed a standard of living that most people do not. Over $22,000 was spent in 14 months for their extracurricular activities. While Case's gross monthly income alone was almost twice the maximum chart amount of $30,000 for the gross monthly combination of both parties in the guidelines, the circuit court awarded child support in an amount almost three times the presumptive amount. The circuit court's findings failed to take into consideration Katie's gross monthly income from her job, which was $10,911. The parties have also agreed to split the cost of the children's extracurricular activities equally. However, with this child support order, Case is ultimately paying for all of the extracurricular activities. The upward deviation gives Katie an additional $55,500 in child support over the presumptive chart amount while Case has to pay not only the presumptive chart amount of support, but an additional $55,000, as well as his one-half of the children's extracurricular activities. This deviation, in effect, guts the income shares model since the cost of meeting all the children's needs is placed on Case. We also hold that, as in Parnell, the circuit court abused its discretion in considering Katie's needs in setting child support. One of the reasons the circuit court gave for the upward deviation in Case's child support obligation was that Katie's expenses exceeded her income on her affidavit of financial means, even after including the $7,000 in child support. 
A review of this document shows that the circuit court's finding is incorrect. Kay's affidavit lists total monthly income of $20,026.53, with her expenses totaling $18,064.58. Her monthly expenses do not exceed her monthly income. Rather, her income exceeds her expenses by almost $2,000. She also lists $1,368,132 in other funds available to her. A further review of Katie's affidavit shows that the circuit court, in contravention of Parnell, incorrectly considered Katie's monthly needs when deviating Case's child support obligation upward. Some of the listed monthly expenses are wholly attributable to the children, such as their health insurance, $200.59, clothes and shoes, $125, and extracurricular activities, $800, and some of the other expenses, such as utilities, $507.95, and food, $1,330, are partially attributable to the children. These expenses are taken into consideration in the chart amount based on income, which is presumed to be the appropriate amount. But Katie's listed monthly expenses also include her health insurance premium, $191.34, monthly contributions to her 401k, $1,619.51, alcohol, $100, lawn care, $150, charitable giving, $100, other expenses, $1,772, family vacations, $917, household expenses, $875, and rental property expenses, $750. Katie also lists three payments for rent and house expenses, $2,509.70, $1,346.86, and $1,575.52 that total over $5,400. Many of Katie's listed monthly expenses are not for her children's benefit, but the circuit court clearly considered all of the expenses, including those solely attributable to Katie, in making an upward deviation in child support. This upward deviation essentially reverts back to the old method of setting child support since the circuit court focused only on Case's monthly income to set the support amount, which the new income shares guidelines move away from. We hold that the circuit court abused its discretion in considering Katie's monthly expenses that did not benefit the children in contravention of Parnell in almost tripling Case's child support. For the reasons set forth above, we hold that the circuit court abused its discretion in deviating from the chart amount less the appropriate deductions. We therefore set Case's monthly child support obligation at $2,375. Although Case filed his motion to reduce child support in January 2020, the parties agreed that if there was a reduction in child support, it would be retroactive to July 1, 2020. Therefore, the reduction to $2,375 is retroactive to that date, and Case is entitled to a credit for the overage of support he has paid since that time. End of quote. A concurring opinion written by Judge Wood and joined in by Chief Judge Harrison added, quote, I agree that we must reverse the circuit court's order because one of the findings made by the court in support of its upward deviation, Katie's monthly expenses exceed her monthly income, is clearly erroneous. 
I concur because this court should not determine Case's monthly child support obligation. I would remand for the circuit court to make that determination. In sum, the circuit court based its deviation in part on a clearly erroneous finding of fact. Rather than this court setting the child support at the presumptive chart amount, I would remand so that the circuit court may exercise its proper discretion based on factual findings supported by the record. End of quote. Judge Brown dissented, quote, Although I agree with the majority that the circuit court had the authority to rule in this case, I disagree with the majority's reversal of the circuit court's decision to allow child support to remain at $7,000 a month. The circuit court in this instance did what it was required to do in order to deviate from the presumptive chart amount. It was in the best position to weigh the evidence and decide what was in the best interest of the party's minor sons when making its award. Instead of following our stated standard of review, the majority has instead substituted its own personal objections to the circuit court's order. According to Administrative Order Number 10, the children should receive the same portion of parental income and financial resources they would have received if the parties were still together. There is no justification for the majority to blindly award only the chart-based amount under these circumstances, reduction of child support by over $4,000 a month, and expect these children to enjoy the same or similar standard of living that they have become accustomed to. The circuit court understood the negative impact a reduction of child support would have on the children. Unfortunately, this court does not. End of quote. End of decision.